You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to the Bridge to You podcast, hosted by yours truly, Monique Russell, where we focus on diversity, inclusion, and understanding for Black cultures through conversations that help us connect to ourselves and each other. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Bridge to You podcast. I'm your host, Monique Russell. Today in my guest chair, we have a very special guest. And trust me, by the end of this episode, you're going to want to sign up. Tanil Cooley uses her program and project management expertise to manage and find solutions to high-complexity projects that require alignment and buy-in from multiple stakeholders. She was the first African-American woman to hold a leadership position in Coca-Cola Columbus Fountain Syrup Plant and then experienced increasing responsibility, leading, collaborating, and connecting partners globally in Dubai, Turkey, Germany, Spain, France, and the UK. Outside of work, she's busy helping youth prepare for life, completing a doctoral degree, and spending time with her wonderful husband, Preston Cooley. Tanil, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I was like, who is she talking about? You. All the stuff you got going on. I said, well, daggone. I you, like it. You, <laughs> yes. So Tanil, I mean, you are someone who I say, if there is 24 hours in a day, somehow you seem to have 36. And I don't know <laughs> where you get it from, but you have been someone who's been involved in community work with the youth, you know, with the marginalized communities, and you're constantly creating infectious outcomes for everybody involved. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're going to get more into where we actually met and that experience. But before I do, every opportunity that you see to foster community and company partnerships and collaborations, you take it, you do it. So my question is, where did you get your exposure to um, and for this love of community company collaboration? Where did it all start? Oh, man. So... <laughs> I'm really trying to think back to when did it start as far as my love for community. Honestly, I, I would say my sorority. So, you know, the finer sorority of Zeta Phi Beta Sorority Incorporated. But, uh, you know, shout out to all of the D9. But let me let me speak on my love for my, for my sororities and my sorors. No, but nonetheless, um, I've been a Zeta for over 20 years, 23 to be exact. And when I first came into the organization, I was put on committees where we were involved in the community in a variety of different ways. Um, I served as a past NPHC president. So those in the D9 know what that is, National Panhellenic Council. Um, 
back in uh, my hometown of Columbus, Ohio. And we did a lot of work in the community there. We did a lot of work with Zeta, did a lot of, you know, community work across, you know, other organizations. And I think that's where the love of helping and being a part of the community started. And it has just morphed into, you know, what it is today, um, being able to interweave that into uh, my day-to-day job, serving on the board for Coca-Cola's Black Employee Network and being able to bring my love of community and Black entrepreneurship and whatnot into the corporate space and also still serving the community. So I would I would have to say it started way back then and it has just kind of evolved since then. Oh so, my God. Okay. So yeah. let me ask you this. So what type of community events were you first doing when you first joined the the sorority? Oh man, you know, <laughs> I'm really trying to think back to everything that we did when I first started. Um, there was always, of course, you know, you have your typical food drives and um, we have a Storks Nest. Uh, we have such a strong partnership with March for Babies and um, and the March of Dimes and, and whatnot. So it, it was a variety of those different type of things. And then in collaborations with, you know, my other sisters of the D9 um, organizations, we would come together and do a variety of community-based, you know, programs while still having fun, you know, as 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 you do in sororities when you, you know, you want to party and stroll or step and um, step shows and what things like that, but we always tried to tie a community element to it, whether we were raising money to give back to a local high school or we were um, using, you know, the proceeds to help feed, you know, a needy community or something along those lines. It just was a variety of of different things. And like I said, as the years have went by, you know, we as the community itself has elevated in the different things that we've tried to do to not just serve the community, but also showcase the work that we've done, whether it be individually or even as a group. So, mm-hmm. I mean, this is good because it, it even makes me think about the, the connection and the parallels to uh, the sorority organization as a sisterhood, as a mm-hmm. community, uh, mm-hmm. Black sorority, uh, women empowerment, and now the employee resource group at Coca-Cola. Mm-hmm. So it's like, this is a it's a place for inclusion and belonging, but also for the broader experience of the employees, the members in the yeah. organization and the community. Mm-hmm. So let me say this. I met you at the Coca-Cola Juneteenth event where I was invited to attend by Paul Adamson. Yes. And when I saw what was happening, I was blown away. Here it is. This was a multi cross functional department event within mm-hmm. your company. It was focused on the values of entrepreneurship. But not only did you cut across silos to get multiple departments involved, you also extended into other corporate organizations mm-hmm. and collaborated with them. And then you brought the community people, mm-hmm. the founders, and and brought them to Coca-Cola to have an opportunity to expose their business all with the value and the experience Mm -hmm. of entrepreneurship. I mean, this is a multiple layer event of collaboration. First within the company, next within like-minded companies in the community, and then third with the entrepreneurial community, bringing that all together. When I say high complexity project, that's a high complexity project. (laughs) And you did it for five years. Yep. This was the fifth year. What inspired you to do something like this? 
five years ago, it was myself and uh, uh, past president, Tammy Smith, um, who unfortunately passed away very unexpectedly. So we always pay homage to her. But uh, she and I were having a conversation and we were talking about what are we going to do for the Black Employee Network, which was actually called the African-American Business Resource Group back then, before we changed the name to BIN, Black Employee Network. And I said, why don't we have a vendor fair? And she said, well, what do you mean? What to, to say more? And, you know, it really started off as an idea. So, well, let's, let's go reach out to a whole bunch of Black-owned businesses in local Atlanta and have them come to Coca-Cola and just showcase their products and services and let them do it for free. And let's see what happens. And so the first year we had about 26, maybe 27 vendors that came. And, and let me also preference, this was not a Tennille or Tammy show. It was a whole group behind what we were doing. We just threw out the idea and then we got some people to get on the bandwagon with us. And they was like, okay, let's go do it. And so we came together. We had 26 or so vendors that came out. The next year it grew to about 30 something. And then we had to take a year off for the, you know, the pandemic. And then the following year that we were starting to come back to work and whatnot, I want to say we had close to 42, 43. And then the fifth year, this past year, we had 67 vendors that came to Coca-Cola that year to showcase their goods and services. And every year they're asking us, how are you guys going to top this? What are you going to do to to elevate this even further. So this year was actually the first year that we did collaborate with other organizations. So you mentioned Paul earlier. We got to give a, a shout out to Paul. Paul is amazing. So Paul is the global yes. Black Employee Network leader for Amazon. And he and I connected what really started as a bet. So to bring this all full circle, Paul called us out in our house at Coke and said, I bet y'all won't do what we're doing for Juneteenth. Let's see you top that. And he said it in front of my executive sponsor. And my executive sponsor knows when he needs something to get done and do it well, he's going to look at me and a few other folks on the board. But he looked at me and was like, you got this, right? And I was like, yeah, I, I got it. I got it. So he laid down the gauntlet. And, you know, just through some some really good planning and, and curating and everything else, we decided to collaborate together to host the vendor fair that we did for Juneteenth. So in partnership with Amazon Bin and Coca-Cola Bin, and then we invited our uh, Black Employee Network uh, ERG fellow members from Delta Airlines and Microsoft and Comcast and um, other organizations to just come and, and shop, not to necessarily participate or contribute financially, but just come be a part of it to see what we're doing in the hopes that they'll want to partner and collaborate going into 2025 or, or 2024. I'm already jumping ahead of year, 2024 uh, for next year. And it just morphed into something really, really magical. Like, I, I honestly didn't think it was going to expand the way that it did this year. I'm thinking this was still going to be a few years out, but we had live music from the Red Sample. And if you have never heard the Red Sample, I challenge you to Google them, YouTube them. You will see what I'm talking about. So you talk about a live HBCU-esque type band in your backyard. It is a sight to see. But we had them we had the vendors, we had food, we had food trucks, black, all Black-owned food trucks in the courtyard at Coca-Cola for people to sample the food. Like it was, it was a true labor of love, but it was something that everyone was so proud of that it didn't really feel like work. I mean, it was work because I crashed that evening. Like I slept a long time. My husband probably tell you I slept all day, but I slept a very long time. It was one of those things where you think about as a African-American entrepreneur, a lot of times the odds are already stacked against you. 
whether it's, you know, trying to secure capital, trying to get funding, trying to have people believe in your idea of what you're trying to, you know, bring forward, whether it's a good, a service, a product. And then you have unconscious bias. I don't want to buy from a Black-owned business. They don't handle their business. They don't do things the right way. It's hard to support. And it's like, get past all that and let us show you what it really looks like. And some of the entrepreneurs that were there were also Coca-Cola employees. They say, yeah, I do work for Coke, but I also have this. And so it was it was great things to to let them showcase what they do outside of their eight to five, you oh know, at, at Coke headquarters. So it was, it was a lot of fun, a lot of work, but, um, you know, I loved it. I loved it. So when I hear the word magical, when I hear the word magical, for all you audience listeners, I told you this was going to be explosive. And <laughs> you're just going to have to rewind and listen to what Tanil said, because she literally dropped a whole playbook for an organization who wants to expand their brand, improve their brand, engage their employees and support the community. There's so many things that you just said. And that last piece where you talked about the entrepreneur, basically entrepreneur and entrepreneur, someone who's in that corporate organization who may not have their business on the outside, but who acts like an entrepreneur inside of their company. That's pretty much what you're doing. And for someone who also has another business outside, the hybrid entrepreneur, to recognize, embrace that, not be afraid of it, because it just creates more engagement, more employee values. You talked about how proud people were. And when I heard that, it immediately made me think of the multiple generations in the workforce, specifically mm-hmm. the Gen Z, which is now like 26% of the global population in the US right. 24. And yeah. this demographic of people working are very, very um, focused on making sure that they feel proud of their organization's vision, mission, values, and they feel like they belong. You literally created an all-in-one box solution. (laughs) And then you invited other companies to come and see, to model, to be a model, to be a leader, to be innovative, best in class, first in class. So Tanil. Every and every anybody cannot do this. Okay, I, I heard you try to be the humble lady earlier and say <laughs> it was just my idea, but this is where it starts. It was your idea, your baby. You guys came up with it. You saw it through to the end, and like you said, like someone who is leading the charge, someone who's able to 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 take up the gauntlet, respond to the gauntlet, <laughs> and make it happen. What would you say are the top three skills that you use to leverage such an explosive and massive outcome like this? Wow. Okay. The top three skills to do something like this. That Um, you used. Yes. That I personally used. Yes. People may not agree with the skills I use because I think I felt like I had to strong arm a couple folks, but yes, no, um, yeah, but no, I, I would say you definitely, you have to have passion. Because without the passion, you really can't see the purpose. And without the purpose, you can't persevere through it. Because there were some hurdles along the way. There were some hiccups, you know, especially in the beginning. You know, we, you got to think, Coca-Cola is like Fort Knox, okay? People can't just walk up to the gate and say, hey, I want to come inside and take a look. (laughs) I mean, you know, you went through the security protocols to get in the building, right? (laughs) So you think about that times, almost 200-something people plus their guests, 
on a day to get them all in a window within a matter of an hour and a half so they can get in, get set up, get, I mean, you just, and that's just a piece of it, right? But you got to have the passion and you, you have to be able to sell the vision to everybody else. So they buy in on it with you. So having the passion, having the vision, um, having the, the ability to lead and, and uh, pursue in, in project management, because there was a lot of moving parts to get that vendor fair to where it is today. And it took a lot of folks. Like I said, this is not a one woman show. It's a whole team behind me that bought into the vision and did this with me. But it took someone to help coordinate and organize. I'm a little OCD when it comes to things like that. I, I'm a fixer. So I, I, if I see a problem, I'm trying to fix it. You know, my husband be telling me to calm down all the time. He's like, you on 10, relax. You know, <laughs> it'll be okay. And in my mind, I'm like, no, but I want this to be right for you or for whatever it is that I'm, you know, involved in and whatnot. But um, you got to have a sense of organization you, because the team is only going to do what you lead them to do. So if you're in disarray, they're going to be in disarray. And then you're going to have a chaos, whether it's organized or disorganized, it's still going to be chaos. So you got to have the right level of project management skill to coordinate effectively so that, you know, things don't fall through the cracks and you have time to mitigate. If something comes up, you know, we've had, unfortunately, I'm going to knock on wood, knock on my head that that doesn't happen next year, but Every year we've had a vendor call and say something happened to them on their way to the vendor fair. And I was like, well, do we need to call the police for you? Do we need to call 911 for you? Do we need, they're like, no, 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 we're okay. We're probably not going to make it. Okay, no problem. We got somebody waiting in the wings that, that just said, hey, we, we can come and fill in that slot in that space or, you know, something else unexpectedly happened. Matter of fact, even at the, <laughs> even at this year's vendor fair, one of the food trucks, the food truck broke down midstream serving so we had about 50 people waiting for food and he couldn't get his fryer to restart and there was a line of people waiting and the food mind you we prepaid in advance because that's part of the the experience to come and sample this amazing cooking from this black owned business but his, his truck broke down so you know our catering team jumped on it immediately sent everyone to our cafeteria and they all got a meal courtesy of them and then the food truck came back up and running so he was able to still serve you know the rest of the food but you know come on we black you can't mess with us about our food <laughs> you can't mess with us about our food you can't mess with us about our family you can't mess with us about our finances them Hello. three f's them three f's to get you effed up and most people will tell you i mean i'm gonna be honest with you it always <laughs> happens i i have yet to meet a person that looked like me that has calmly dealt with situations where it dealt with one of those three f's just gonna be honest <laughs> so when the food broke down I said we got to get these people fed and get them fed quickly mm -hmm. so again the catering team jumped in but that was the mitigation plan right so having that ability to have you know that capability to be able to pivot quickly and still run the show and it, and it seemed seamless right because yeah. in my head I was like what are we about to do with all these people but we had it under control and to everybody else it looked like everything was fine I mean mm -hmm. folks was fussing because like I said it was food it was like hey I'm in the line waiting I want some fried catfish what's what's going on we got another whole meal for you right down here you know let's 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 keep the party moving so having the passion having the vision having um you know the project management skills to be able to mitigate and then lastly being a collaborator and a lover of people mm -hmm. because you never are a one person show i have yet to see anybody make it to the c suite um make it in life by themselves you always need people to help you push the goal. You can go at it alone, but you'll go further when you go with a group, it's right? And, and the reason I say a lover of people, 
I mean, just to, wait, the, I, can we be blunt on this podcast with you? Yes. You know, okay. okay. People don't want to work with an asshole. Let's <laughs> just be clear. They don't. They don't. I mean, they may do it reluctantly if they think it's going to get them somewhere, but they won't. So, you know, if people know that you care about them and you care about their, you know, their vision and you give them a seat at the table so that they know that they are contributing to something bigger than themselves, they're going to go that much further for you. Mm -hmm. So you have to be able to, you know, be that type of collaborator, that, that lover of people, but also be able to put your foot down and be stern when things need to happen so that they don't run over you. That's right. Because at the end of the day, the bug stops with me when it comes to this, like uh, the people inside of Coke know that vendor fair, go talk to Tennille. If something goes wrong, they come in and chewing out me. If something goes right, yes, this was a great job, amazing, whatever. But when it goes wrong, I catch it just as good as I catch it when it goes well. So you have to, you know, make sure that your team is on the bandwagon with you, you know, through it all. So I would say yeah. those were probably the the top three, you know, My that God. I okay. So every time you say something, there's another connection piece and a dot <laughs> that, that's linking. And I heard, I heard you talk about that passion and perseverance. I heard the sales skills, cause you got to be able to sell the vision, get the yep. buy-in. I mean, yep. you got to sell it to everybody. Cause yeah. like, let's face it. These are volunteers yeah. in a situation where, uh, you find a lot of them, other employee resource groups, they struggle to get people involved, but but this right here is basically like a playbook. It's like a blueprint and, and having the skills to sell that vision to others. You talk about the organization, the level of project management, mitigating, problem solving, collaborative skills, yes. all wrapped in one and still being able to pull out the whip if you need to, when if you I have to. to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If to I have you. to. Obviously, you were not born with all of these right out of the womb. How did you develop this package? What was your professional or personal development journey to be able to cultivate this in such a way? I would have to say trial by fire. You know, if I was to let you talk to my husband, he would say, when I first met you, you were so timid. What? <laughs> I know. People don't believe it. People don't believe it. And I said, you were so you know, timid, you, you, you know, you want to make sure everything is good and, and all this stuff. And, and, and in full transparency, my husband is about four feet over here. You can't see him on this camera, but he, he over here on the side, you know, being my support system. Cause I texted him, come downstairs, please, you know, and whatnot. So that my nerves would settle, but he would tell you that I was very timid. And, and I would say that I was somewhat timid as well, as far as being able to speak up, being confident in the things that I knew to be true and and doing it with a level of skill and grace to be able to earn the respect and the trust and build the credibility to be able to now come to the table and say, hey, I want to do this. And people say, okay, Tanil, I got you because we know you're not going to half step. Let's do it, right? It took time. I mean, I had to fall on my face a few times. I had to, you know, get chewed out, get embarrassed by people um, to learn how to operate in love, but also operate with a sense of, of sternness to know okay, she's not playing, but she really wants to make sure this is done right. I'm going to go with it. It didn't always happen that way. I wasn't always wired that way. But once you hit your head enough, you learn what you need to do to not hit your head anymore. <laughs> and so then you, you know, you, you just perfect it, you know, as you go. And I'm still learning. I mean, I, 
like to take on challenges and, and do things like this and events and stuff. This is what really makes my job fun. I mean, I have fun with my job anyway, because I work on like pretty cool projects and, and, and whatnot. But um, this is probably the most fun. It's one of the most favorite things to do in my whole entire year wow. of of planning different events and whatnot. But it, it's, it's a learning girl. and you and you got to be open to always learning. You can't feel that once you're there, you're there. Right. There's always opportunities for continued growth. It just depends on what it looks like for you. But if you're always open, you're going to always learn something. And so from that, I can take that nugget and say, oh, yeah, I've, I've dealt with this before. Now I know how to pivot or now I know how to add that to what I'm doing to move myself forward or elevate whatever program I'm involved in and, and keep things going. Mm-hmm. But it's a process. It's, it's never ending. I will say that it's a never ending process. When you said um, trial by fire, that made me yeah. think something that I recently heard um, from one of your posts where you spoke at the Amplify conference. Yeah. You said, you know, don't let people make you believe that if you fail or if you make a mistake, it's the end all be all. Yeah. And now I yeah. can see where that came from. So w- yeah. when did you have to learn that lesson for yourself? I would say it was somewhat of a long time ago, you know, with another company. Um, and, you know, I was new. I didn't know a lot of people. The culture was not a culture that I felt I was going to be a good fit. And I saw it very early on when I first started working there. And, you know, I just felt like nothing I did was ever right. It was just very critical. And, you know, it made me start questioning myself and my own capability and my skill. And I beat myself up with it about it for a long time because I'm like, did I make a mistake? You know, my family and I, we had relocated to the city and state to go work for this company. And here I am in less than six months getting ready to leave because my hair was falling out. I was stressed out. You know, I was questioning everything about myself because I'm like, how have I been successful all this time? And then I get to this company and everything has went to just crap. And, and it all looks like it's my fault. And I got my family up here. It's cold up here, you know, and I'm from Michigan. It was colder than that. And it just, it didn't make any sense, right? So I really had to take a step back and say, first of all, snap out of it. These things happen, but they happen to help you learn and grow. And it's not over. This is a chapter in a very large book that you're writing. And so this chapter will end. You can start another chapter. And you can go ahead and keep moving forward. But it took me forever to really understand and realize that and then realize that it wasn't me. I wasn't a cultural fit for that organization. And because I wasn't a cultural fit, because I do have a very loud personality and I am for the most part, and I say for the most part, 98% of the time, I'm happy go lucky until you do something that really just set me off. And it takes me a minute to get there. But when it's there, it's there. But I had to realize that it just it just wasn't a good pairing and that's okay too because you're not going to be a good fit for every company you know you'll get in here and be like these folks are crazy I got to go or oh this is amazing why hadn't I thought about this company sooner you know and it was okay and when I when I really realized it was okay it's honestly when I found my home that I'm in now which is here at Coca-Cola it'll be almost 10 years that I've been here and so I'm like okay it wasn't me because if it was me I wouldn't have been successful here either right? It, the cycle would have repeated itself yes. and it didn't. So I know that it was just, it was okay. It just wasn't the fit. Lesson learned. I went through the whole process and now I'm here. 
So, yeah. Oh, my gosh. So first of all, thank you so much for sharing that. Again, another nugget, lesson learned. Mm-hmm. Hey, you you were successful before and you got into an environment that wasn't the right fit for you. Yeah. And you made a decision. You made a decision. You switched yep. the environment. But the reality is it did take a toll on your psyche. You thought it about it. it. It caused you to question yourself. Anybody that's listening, if you've experienced this before, we want to let you know that, hey, it's a life lesson it's not something that you have to feel like it's the end all Listen. or it's over because it's not. No, um, it's not. I was crying, driving down the highway, going to the office like, Lord, just get me through today that I do not have to deal with nobody's foolishness today. Mm. Today. Mm. I just need to get through today. And then tomorrow was the same thing. Okay, it's Wednesday. I got two more days in the week. Just get me through Wednesday. And I would have to sit in the car for about 10 minutes wipe my eyes, put some eye drops in, fix my face and go in here and put on a smile so that I could get through. You know, within the last few weeks that I knew that it was like, it was really time to go. Um, I, I was just like, it was okay. I, I was like, it, it was just going to be okay. Matter of fact, I think I was listening to gospel and I want to say it might've been Martha Menizzi, one of her songs was playing and it was like, it's a new season. It's a new day. And I was like, okay, it's a it's a new season coming all right all I kept thinking about was I got my husband up here I'm not happy these folks are crazy it's doing all this stuff and it it makes no sense and you know I didn't know what it was gonna do and how it was gonna you know work for me so I was so relieved it's almost like a sense of peace fell over me when I realized that everything was going to be okay And, and I and I really took myself out of it and said this is a season this season is about to be over and things are going to turn around for your good don't worry about this this is going to pass and you're going to be all right and after that I was like oh okay yeah y'all can say whatever you want to say to me today I don't care good Good. you're good Uh I'm good I'm good how are you doing oh yeah no I'm not going to be able to do that today yeah no we can take care of that all the little nitpicking and the microaggressions and the antagonizing comments and things that were um being said and and whatnot it didn't even phase me anymore I was like "Hmm, interesting okay well you know we'll see what we can do with that but all right have a good weekend (laughs) (laughs) and keep it moving no she didn't she flipped the switch honey she said okay listen it's very freeing it was very very freeing and once it was done I was like okay Oh good, man, good day. Tanisha, appreciate you. You are so amazing. I know I've said it to you before, but I want to say it publicly on this show. You are so inspiring. You are impactful. Your work is so needed. It just cuts across so many generations, so many people. Please continue to do it and you let your light shine. Oh, thank you. Amen. Yes. Before we uh, begin to close, is there anything that you'd like to share or say that I haven't asked you about? Oh, man. Um, <laughs> I feel like I've said so much. Somebody going to listen to me like, Tanil. They're going to say thank you. Thank you. And, <laughs> and audience listeners, you hear that? Listen, when you hear this, go on ahead and reach out to Tania. Let her know that you heard us on this show and let her know her message and her story has inspired you. 
Oh, that would be awesome. I, I would be, I, I would gladly talk to anybody that, that need to be talked off the ledge because Lord knows there's plenty of people that have talked to me off the ledge many, many a times. Um, you know, I would say be okay being your authentic self. So, you know, and I, I actually shared a little bit of this um, at the Amplify um, conference. I said, be okay being your authentic self and be okay being unapologetically Black and being unapologetically you. Whatever you is, whatever the brand of you represents, represent it and represent it well. Because once you find your footing and once you figure out who you are and not so much who you are, but whose you are, everything else will fall in place and, and you'll fit where you're supposed to be. You're not meant to fit everywhere. And I think a lot of times we do that, myself included, where I felt like I had to fit in every piece of puzzle in the in the whole puzzle uh, box. And you're not you're not designed that way. Sometimes you're designed to stand alone. And that's okay. And once you get really comfortable in that, your power is, it becomes your superpower. And so I would just say, be okay just being your authentic self. You're not meant to please everybody. That's right. You're not meant to, to be, you're not meant to be there for everybody either. You know, be okay, you know, being your authentic self. You know, you're not going to please everybody and, and you're not going to, um, you're not going to fit all the time. And that's okay. It is completely okay. So that would be my parting words. Okay. I, I don't know what else to say, but you that's know, awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. And if anybody wants to connect with you, where can they find you? Where should they reach out to you? Um, they can find me on LinkedIn. I'm I'm definitely on LinkedIn. Thank you once again, Neil, for grace gracing the bridge to you podcast and sharing all of this powerful nuggets and wisdom for the entire world to experience. You are very welcome. And thank you for having me. Cause I was like, you want to talk to me? You should. Yes. Sure. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. You, 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 you. <laughs> um, you know what? One last thing, one last yeah. thing that you just triggered for me. When you think about the impact, like what, what would you say the impact is for an organization to experience or have some internal experiences like this? How, how does it add value to the organization's mission and vision or goal? Yeah, so I think for, and, and just speaking for, you know, what we've done at the Coca-Cola company with this entire vendor fair and everything else, I feel like the African-American community felt a sense of being seen and being heard and being valued for not just their contribution of a nine to five, but just peeking in to see culturally how we like to come together, how we like to showcase things that mean something to us, passion projects that turned into businesses or um, love of um, music with the house band. I mean, the band, and again, you know, we talked about them earlier, but when I tell you that they tore the house down, I mean, you could hear them all the way on the other side of the campus. That's how how much of an impact they had in those little two 45-minute sessions that they gave us that day. And people still asking, when are they coming back? I'm like, I don't know. You got money to bring them back? You know, but anyway. But nonetheless, um, 
that sense of just the belonging and the encouragement and the influence that they had. So, you know, I, and I'll part with this. Our chairman and CEO was in the building that day and he came down and spent time with the vendors. We walked and I introduced him to all of the different vendors that we had. And, you know, Mr. Quincy is all over the world. I mean, his schedule is like crazy. When I tell you, you got to get on it six months in advance to try to get time with him. And he just happened to be grabbing his lunch. Mm -hmm. And one of the other, when I was talking about that group of folks that helped pull this off was downstairs when they saw him and said, Hey, James, if you haven't had a chance to go upstairs, you need to go see what's going on upstairs on the second floor. If you have time, go check it out. You know, somebody paged me or, or not paged me, but they texted me and said, James is on his way up. And I said, I'm in the hallway waiting for him. And when he came up, you know, we walked the aisles and people was like, oh my God, James Quincy is here. So to the outside world, you know, James was like, oh yeah, he's the chairman and CEO of Coca-Cola. But, you know, he's like, he's like our Jeff Bezos to Amazon. Like he's famous in Coke. When you see him, you know, people are taking pictures. The interns was running up to him to give him their 30 second elevator speech and talk about, you know, why they're here and what function they're working on. And all, and I had to hold him off like one at a time, y'all just, you know, he gonna talk to every last one of y'all. Give me a second, you know, things like that. And, and to see that they said, man, this was important enough that even y'all's chairman came downstairs. Talk about an endorsement. Yeah, that to me was the icing on the cake, that people were so in awe of him taking time out of his schedule to walk that entire fair and see that and listen to the band. And the band got pictures with him, posted it on their Instagram page. They call him the Q. I said, oh, Lord. Okay. <laughs> you, know, you know, so uh, it was it was really, you know, a sight to see. And, and that to me was like, okay, I think my job is done for today, at least, wow. you know, from that standpoint. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, I just say kudos, kudos, kudos. Shout out to you, Tanil. Shout out to Paul Adamson. Shout out to Mr. Quincy. You're doing good work. Keep up the great work. And <laughs> shout out to all of you Bridge to You listeners. Until next time, take care and be well. Thanks for listening to the Bridge to You podcast. Visit clairecommunicationsolutions.com or connect with me on LinkedIn, Monique Russell, or Instagram at clearcommunicationcoach. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.